I'm a problem solver. I love finding problems and figuring out the solution. It just, it brings me a sense of joy and satisfaction. That's hard to, um, it's hard to find a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of times there's problems out there and, and people probably see them in their jobs. You know, I know I did when I was teaching, I would see the issues and go, I would love to solve this problem, but because of the dynamics, because of the structures, you're, you're handcuffed. Um, which is one of the, just my favorite aspects of being an entrepreneur and a business owner is if there's a problem, I can fix it. I can figure out the solution and then I can pivot. I can make those decisions and change you know, I'm like a little wave runner instead of these corporations or being in a job where you've got, you know, this massive tanker it takes, you know, 45 minutes to make a turn. I'm going, I'm on a dime. If I see something better, if I identify a solution to a problem, go, let's make it happen. Hello, and thank you for joining the Made to Inspire podcast. This is the podcast for dreamers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to go to that next level in your life with Kimberly Smith-Austin and Misty Jarrigan. Each week, we will bring you tips, tools, and tactics that will inspire you to take action. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Made to Inspire podcast. I am Kimberly Smith-Austin, and I am here today with another episode. I am super excited because I am here with my awesome and amazing co-host, Misty Kerrigan. Hey, Misty. Hey, Kimberly. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever time you're listening, we just appreciate you downloading. Well, me and Kimberly had an exciting weekend and we are back. We are ready to inspire. We got to meet a lot of amazing people and we have a, we have a course coming out. And our course is all about taking you from Kimberly idea to action to income. Income. <laughs> and while we we're creating this course, Kimberly got to work with and meet an amazing man who's uh, um, one of his, what would you call that? Like the, the way you live by your like um, principles, values, principles is Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. What amazing words. Kimberly, would you like to talk a little bit about Brian? Well, actually, I think I'm going to allow Brian to introduce himself. But first, let me welcome Brian Sutliff to our show all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Brian, welcome to the Made to Inspire podcast. Hey, good morning, Kimberly and Misty. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, the, the quick hitter about me, I'm from Atlanta, uh, born and raised. Uh, did my schooling here at the University of Georgia, and uh, I was a high school teacher first. That was my first calling, and um, I loved it. Uh, it, was, it was quite an experience. I love teaching. I love coaching. And, uh, but I'm, I'm uh, as you'll probably figure out, through the course of this conversation, I am an idea person. I am always thinking of the next step. And that's kind of, uh, after a few years of teaching, I, I found myself in that position and decided between law school, medical school, and eventually chose law school. Um, so I did that. I clerked for a few judges. I got to do some really cool projects. I got to work um, in Washington, DC uh, for a little bit. And then I came back home to, uh, to Atlanta 
and started practicing. And uh, I now have my own practice. I represent people who have been catastrophically hurt, um, whether it's in a car wreck or a truck wreck, um, uh, shooting, things of that nature. And then I also represent the families of, um, of folks who have been killed in incidents like that. So that's my primary focus and has been for the past few years. Uh, and currently I am working on putting together a course for medical professionals to learn more about the legal field and how they can operate within it. And uh, I'm also starting a medical practice with my dad down in uh, Savannah, Georgia. So he is an orthopedist. Um, so he'll handle all the treatment stuff. I'm at like that CEO type uh, position, helping getting it all organized and, you know, kind of transition into that uh, general counsel type role. And then uh, once a few of those things uh, take off, I'll pull out my notebook over here and start going through all the rest of the ideas for the next project. Wow. 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 You all heard it right here. Mr. Brian, he shared all of the things that he's done in his experience. What I love is that over the last few shows, you all have heard from other entrepreneurs who have talked about their journey. He said he started as a high school teacher coaching students and then he transitioned into other spaces. But what I love is that you said you are an idea person. So it sounds like you definitely fit into our community. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I want to delve a little bit deeper when you made the discovery from high school teacher to then transitioning into these new spaces in your life. And when you start bringing those ideas from idea to action, which then started allowing you to create that income. Tell us the beginning of that journey, if you will. So, uh, you know, in general, well, I think to go back to when I was a high school teacher, um, I, I think that there's always a moment for everyone. So for me, the moment that, that turned me towards going to law school was I was teaching back when Hurricane Katrina hit. Um, and I was teaching at a Catholic high school in Atlanta. And the archdiocese said, hey, if you were in school in New Orleans at a Catholic school there, you can come to Atlanta and go to school for free. Uh, my school happened to take in, I want to say it was like a hundred and like 40 students, uh, working with them, uh, and their families, I started getting involved. These families would come to me and say, we don't understand like these insurance claim forms, all this stuff, uh, and helping them navigate that process and really learning about how most people are at a humongous disadvantage when it's just you versus the insurance companies. Um, and you can put that power structure however you want. There's many different examples of it. But that was sort of the first push to be like, wow, I could, with the right education, the right credentials, I can help people. I can help people better their lives. I can help them remedy bad situations that they're in. So I think, um, and, and that's been true for all of my sort of uh, pivots throughout my my career is that there's, there's always something, there's a guidepost, right? We're on that highway, but there's always signs for that, for that next attraction, for the gas station, whatever, you know, analogy you want to go with. We've just got to be wise enough and humble enough to recognize them and then strong enough to take action on them. So, uh, so I constantly, every week I have time scheduled to go through how have I been feeling? What have I been thinking about? What are the things going on? And how do those um, 
pieces fit into the equation of, of my life and my career and what I'm doing and what I want to do next. So, Brian, I love this. When you were, you're teaching, uh, all these mm-hmm. students, parents are, are coming to you. you uh, you're, you're kind of reading through some of these, guiding them a little bit, helping them. Which part did you start to fall in love with? Was it the uh, once you were able to help them or the, wow, I, I could read through these, like, and some of those documents are, I mean, you almost have to put aside days to be able to kind of decipher the, the thing that they're saying. So was it the able to decode the policies or was it once you decoded it, these families had a, a like an exhale of, okay, I can get through this. A great question. And the answer is both. Um, you know, you're right. Those documents, they're, uh, they're pretty absurd, which is why the, the, uh, you know, if you go look at the Court of Appeals and Supreme Courts, they're filled with cases of lawyers arguing about these policies. Even the professionals don't get, you know, really what they what they mean. Um, I I truly fell in love with this the 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 personal satisfaction of seeing these folks get into a better place, right? To win their claim, to have their homes rebuilt, or to just get the money and say. We're just going to restart our lives somewhere else. Uh, I, I did. I absolutely love that. But I'm also, answers both. Uh, I think I, I really enjoyed more the, the satisfaction that came with, um, with helping those families. And, uh, but I, I, I can't deny that I really enjoyed sort of the, the mental uh, problem solving and chess match yeah. element. Yeah. I love it. You know, as you were contemplating on the word, I thought about mental gymnastics, you know, mm-hmm. that whole concept. And I love it because yeah. you said something re- really critical that you're a problem solver. I tell people all the time I get paid to solve problems. And that's exactly what you've been doing with not only as a high school teacher, but then going into the field of law, which is really admirable. Now, one of the things I heard, and I have to just delve in on it just a little bit, I heard Law school and medical school, both, Brian? I, I, so I'm the black sheep of the family. Uh, I mean, literally everyone in my family is in medicine in some capacity, doctors, nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists. Um, I, 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 I struggled with that decision uh, quite a bit. And even when I was in law school, I thought about joint enrolling medical school and probably once every once a year, I will contemplate, should I go back to medical school? Um, and we can, we can talk about more how I, how I kind of decide each time not to do it, but, um, but it's always still there. So I, I, I've kind of accepted the fact that at this point, it's, I can do more good with where I'm at and the path that I'm on um, than if I were to really take a step back, get back into education. I mean, because then it's going to be, you know, five to eight years before I think I would be making a difference again, uh, in the, like at the, at the level that I can right now. So, um, so yeah, I, I, uh, but I'm lucky. I still, all of our family get togethers. I get to hear about, you know, interesting cases and new medicine and all that kind of stuff. So I, I get the, uh, the experience of it, um, pretty regularly. Now, how long have you been in the field of law? Oh, let's see, 10, nine or 10 years. Okay. And that's some time. 
that's yeah that's and that's a reasonable amount of time and what i love is that although you're in the field of law and you know normal people they're they're lawyers they're attorneys they're doing the work they're not still dreaming they're still not creating but what i hear from you is i've gone into this field yes i'm an attorney i help families i help individuals but i'm still building i'm still creating tell tell us a little bit more about that process for you sure uh, you know for for better or worse, the legal profession is pretty archaic. Um, now, there is a good part to that because we like, I say we, we as people, human beings, uh, as governments, as, as countries, we like stability. We like predictability when it comes to um, the application of laws. If a business owner has no idea what's going to happen in a certain situation, they're not going to get into that situation, right? That that's going to hold back um, research and development and experimentation. So there's a good reason to be a little bit slow. What the legal profession is woefully behind on, in my opinion, is adapting to new technology, adapting to the changing world. Um, so, like right now, I'm I'm here. I'm in my home office the spare bedroom, right? Uh, this has made no difference whatsoever on my ability to practice law. In fact, I think it's made it easier to practice law. I have more energy. You know, I don't need to meet clients that often. I don't need a big fancy office. And frankly, if you're hiring me because of what my office looks like, I probably don't want to work with you anyways. That means your <laughs> priorities are in the wrong place. Um, I've I've just come to the, uh, to the conclusion that, to, to really grow and advance in the legal field, I got to stop paying attention to the legal profession, right? I go look for the business owners and the entrepreneurs that are doing really unique, cool things in other fields. And I just ask, can I apply that to my practice? Um, for the most part, the answer has been yes. And what I've really figured out is um, most of the law is a commodity, right? There's, so in my cases, 80 to 85% of the work is the exact same case to case to case, whether it's someone was killed in a truck wreck um, or they were just, you know, a broken arm in a car, 80 to 85% is the exact same. It's the same paperwork. That's a commodity. That's repeatable, right? Mm -hmm. I can implement automation. I can implement lots of tools to handle all that so that I can bring my best self, my full self, all my energy mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, to that 15% that is, that's the thing that moves the needle. Um, so, and I see it across all different practice areas. It's like, you know, a divorce is a divorce is a divorce. It's different names, it's different amounts of money, it's different kids, but it's the same procedure. That's what the law gives us. Uh, same with immigration. So what I try and, you know, evangelize to other attorneys is commoditize what you can. Take that off your plate. Use technology, use virtual assistants, whatever. Get that, get that energy vampire out of your life so that you, you can be fully present for the really important stuff. And you've created space to be creative, to be, to experiment with things, to, uh, you know, to bring some of your dreams to reality. Brian, I love that. I have a, a crazy question. So when you 
were a teacher and you had this amazing idea to hit law school, did you have everyone on your side in your life? Was everyone like, yeah, that's amazing. Or were some people like, well, aren't you a teacher? And then when now that you're, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, established and you're looking at this next idea of opening the practice. So do you have cheerleaders, naysayers or both? Both. I, I would, I would say that, uh, I, and I'm very blessed. I have a large, large family. I have a large circle of friends and they're, they're all supportive. Now, some of them think that by discouraging, they're supporting, you know, they're, they're raising the, the prospects of risk. I think going to law school, I can't remember anyone that wasn't supportive, although there were folks that said, you know, stay here in Georgia. I just wanted to see a different part of the country. So I went to Ohio for law school. I knew I would come back eventually. Um, so there were some, some negativity around that, uh, you know, but even now with opening this medical practice, yeah, there are people that are like, Hey, your, your law stuff is going great. Why don't you just focus on that? Um, sure. and you know, I, I, I take a pretty hard line view on a, on a lot of stuff. And one of my guiding principles is, you know, this, this is my life, right? This is not <laughs> your life. It. And it's, it's not my job to make you happy. It's not my job to, to bring your dream to fruition and your dreams for me. That's great. But quite frankly, I, I just don't care. Right. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have time. I'm not going to set myself on fire to keep everybody else warm. Um, if, if I've, if I, if I truly believe that I've put in the time to think about something, to analyze it, and I'm making a decision with the, uh, with the best information available to me, then, then I'm going to go. And I don't care if I've got one person behind me. Like I know my wife's always going to be behind me. If it's just her, great. If I got a thousand people behind me, wonderful. But, uh, but I don't need it. You know? That's amazing. And I think as entrepreneurs, we sometimes have to take that stance because there are people who are going to be in your corner, but not really. They're, they're there to support you. But then there are people who say, yeah, you can't do that. And like you said, I love the idea of I'm not here to, you know, make your dreams become reality, but instead mine. And what I hear I think, from you, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's more a reflection on them. Yeah. I think that yes. my experience has been that when people are hesitant, when they're pointing out all the negative aspects, it's a reflection of their fear. Uh, and, I, and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. So I'm 30, 39. Yeah, I'm 39 <laughs> years old. Um, and so I have a lot of family members that they're in their late 50s, in their 60s, early 70s. I've got a lot of friends, my business mentor, he's in that same, um, same category. And their experience with work and, and professions is all the same. It was very monotonous. Get a job sure. here, you know grow, grow, grow within the company, get your 401k, your pensions, whatever it may be and mm -hmm. retire. And that's not the world that we live in now, right? Like you want to make some big, big changes. It usually requires moving to a different company. Um, quite frankly, and this is what I tell young people that I talk to this is what I tell my family members is they prepare to have multiple careers, right? So don't think about learning the, the uh, like, oh, I have to learn these specific things uh, to be a lawyer. Um, yes, that's true. But really focus on 
what are the principles that you need to know that can translate from law to medicine to a business owner to yes. you know a teacher, whatever the case may be? Principles travel. That's right. right. The skills in those positions, most people you can pick it up. That's right. There's there's, there's very few things that are that difficult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, outside of medicine. Um, I, I'm sure there's plenty of others, you know, you can't pick up surgery in, in six months, but you can learn how to do a job, the specific task and elements of it in a couple months, maybe a year. Yeah. So, but the principles that that's, what's important to me. Absolutely. Because I think there are certain tools that we need in our tool belt, right? Regardless of what industry, what field, what idea, what things you have, there are some core things you want to have as an entrepreneur, as someone out on that pursuit of what's next in your life. So as I listen to you, Brian, the thought came to mind is you are a very passionate person. We're getting ready to roll out our passion to profit webinar. And in there, you know, we're teaching people how to take their passion and turn it into profit. You know, as you pursue all these different ideas that you've had in your life, I want you to think about or even share how your passion. And I know there's so many in your heart because you're one of our people. Yes. (laughs) But when you think about your passion, what is that deep underlying passion that has allowed you to pursue and then turn it into a profit for yourself. The, the underlying passion, that, that principle, the thing that, that I derive the most satisfaction from is helping a person go from point A to point B, and it's better. Mm-hmm. And that looks vastly different for everyone. Um, but giving them you know, the education, the tools, uh, the representation, whatever it takes get them to a better place. Um, my, 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 my passion that, that just leads to, if you can get someone to a better place, if you can give them education, if you can give them tools, uh, I work with some lawyers as well, helping them kind of streamline their practices. The passion there comes from, if I can help you eliminate 20 hours of work a week, that's 20 hours that you get to spend with your kids, that you get to spend with your wife that you get to spend dreaming up crazy business ideas and experiments and looking into them and trying them out. Um, it, it frees up space to bring value to the world. And that's, that's, that's the underlying, uh, the, the principle that supports the, the passion there. And here's the beautiful thing is that that principle has allowed you to create an career, a future for yourself. I want to just remark, Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. So I love that that's what it's centered. It's heart-centered and it's focused on helping other people get what they want. You're right, Mm -hmm. going right into the right direction and, and that's powerful because you've taken your passion in life, which is helping other people and turned it into a way to create profit or income for your future self. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be very clear. I, I, I have problems when people talk about this stuff, but don't acknowledge the reality, which is at some point you got to get paid to do all yes. this stuff. <laughs> right. Like I, I hear people all the time. They have these great thoughts, but I, I need them to take that next step and remind folks, remind listeners, remind readers, say, all this is great. You can be passionate. You can help people. But if you don't make money, it doesn't matter. Mm. Right. 
if you can't put a roof over your head, food in your belly, clothes on your back, what's the point? Um, so, so there is that balance. Are there passion projects that I have that I would love to do? Yes, but they don't fit into my life now because they will not make me money. That I know for sure. Um, but I do want to do them. So the way that I balance it is I find these other projects that I do have passion for that will make me money, build those up to open space to do those passion things that, you know, like I get to coach eighth grade basketball. I don't get paid for that. I'm a community coach, right? I actually pay to coach. I pay in my time. I pay in my gas. I was, but I love it. It brings me such joy. And I love going to watch these kids as they grow from eighth grade to ninth grade varsity level. Um, it brings me true joy and satisfaction. I couldn't do that if I didn't have a practice, a, a law practice that was providing me with the income to be able to spend time doing that. So, um, so that it is an important part of the equation that, that can't be ignored. Um, and so I, I just like to point that out because I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Like, Oh, just follow your passions. Like that's okay. But there's more steps to it than that. It's not that simple. I want to give our listeners an, an amazing tool. And I love when we have tools that we utilize and then we meet others who do the same thing. And you had said that you take the time, you schedule the time to just think, get ideas out or, or get out what you need to do, but, uh, and go through some uh, matrix of how you're going to make that decision. And I love that you said that because we talk about that all the time is make the time just to sit and think and get through things. Now, mm -hmm. one of my favorite things, uh, Brian, that you said was that you never take medical off the table. You keep it, review it at the time you need, put it aside, do what you need to do. And then when it's that time again, you bring it back, go through a decision matrix and then decide where to step forward. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Can you talk a little bit about that? That is a huge thing for some of our listeners to be able to get that in some habits. Yeah. So there are, I'm a firm believer that certain bridges are meant to be burned. You move on from something, burn the bridge, never return to it. Okay. But there are things in my life and from what I've been able to discern, uh, I think they exist in everyone's life. They're, they, they exist. They're just, they're the right thing, just not the right thing for right now. Um, and, and that's, you know, I've got my big idea book. I would love to do all of them. I know that I won't be able to do all of them. Um, some of the projects will only be uh, appropriate when certain criteria are met, but that requires constant uh, attention to where are you in your life? And, and, and to me, it all just comes down to awareness. It's your, your awareness of how you're doing mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically. Um, it's awareness of how's, how's your business doing? It's awareness if you're an employee about what you want out of this thing. I think that way too many people are uh, believe that they are captains of their ship, but someone else is steering their boat. Mm -hmm. Right. Like my whole, my whole thing, when I do this every week and I usually, quite frankly, I usually spend about 15 minutes a day on it. And some days I just, it's real easy. I'm done in 60 seconds. Nothing really changed. Uh, but then I have two times a week where I've, I've scheduled, you know, an hour 
where nothing else is going to get done. I'm just going through stuff because I want to make sure that not only am I aware of everything that's going on, but I'm also the guy, I'm the captain of the ship and I'm steering the ship. I'm not letting somebody else push me in those directions um, and, and, and diluting myself. Right. And, and I see that a lot. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's, I think it's unfortunate. Absolutely. I, what we see a lot is people that are captain and steering and then they get mad at the steerer <laughs> and not taking the accountability that you're the captain and the steerer, but they have that dichotomy of, well, this isn't fair. And it's that, where did you take the time to sit and work out some of this, these things? Now yeah. you said something that both of our eyes sparkled. Um, you said idea book. Yes. <laughs> And I yeah. love that. Uh, we are big proponents of idea journals, idea books, writing them down, dating them. That's Kimberly's yep. uh, secret sauce is put a date near your ideas. And we were, um, we were flying home on a, a trip a couple days ago and Kimberly pulled her book out and she had an idea and she even had the data when she reviewed the idea, the last time the idea was reviewed and looking at the steps for this idea and, and if it is it time, because you said it, sometimes it's the right idea, wrong time. So it's mm -hmm. that it's assuring yourself that you're always constantly being aware of, to take your words, Brian, that where am I, where is the world? Mm -hmm. And is it time for this idea? Is this idea finally have its time? Or this is an amazing idea, 2021, not time. So let me put this back. Let me add a few notes to it. And then let me set an alarm for when I want to review this and see has the times changed because the idea is great. It just needs to be released in the right time. Because sometimes That's I exactly think right. our listeners, it's they have the wrong right idea, wrong time. They release it and then they get crushed and then they never want to open that dream book again. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I think I add, I'll add a little twist to it. I never really put an idea just back in the book and it just stays there. You know, I, I think that everything for me has three phases. You've got intake, execute, intake, action, you know, action, execution, and then nurturing, right? So like, whether it's my law practice, it's intake, it's learning about my clients, it's gathering the documents. The action is the practice of law in it. The nurturing afterwards is keeping in touch with them, making sure it's okay, everything's okay. And that's a great source of marketing for me. With ideas, the intake is is studying, it's learning, it's working on the new skills that that this particular idea requires. And then once you have enough of that, taking action on it. So I, I kind of, and I know that learning about things, some people, you know, you could argue that that's taking action. I just, I like to separate it out. So even some of these ideas in here, like I know that I have a software idea the time is not right because I don't have the time right now. But what I do have time for is to learn and play around with some of these platforms. Uh, and like specifically, I'm looking at the no code kind of movement, like bubble.io, the visual coding land, learning about that, playing around. It's meaningless, right? Nothing's being put out in the world, but stuff's coming in here. I'm intaking this information. And when the time is right, then I can say, all right, let's take action on it. And maybe that action is I build it out. Maybe that action is I hire a developer to build it out, but I can monitor them. I can understand what they're doing because I've taken the time to learn about it. So, um, 
So yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that this up here is the worst repository that you can have to keep your ideas. Right? I think you just have to get it out, and you can move things around. I've I've been using my my trusty notebooks. I've moved over to the Rocket Book. Um, yeah, I absolutely love because then I can check off, and I show you there. Whenever I check off the little diamond and scan it in, it goes to a folder in my Google Drive that is just for business ideas. That's it. Uh, it's quick. It's easy. It helps me. I can I can sort things out. I can um, I can put things into tables. I can I can do lots of stuff, but I can't do any of that. I can't make true comparisons when it's all up in here. And and if I can't make a true comparison, that just means I don't have the awareness uh, at this time to make a decision to move forward. And 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 you mentioned something earlier. I'm sorry, I forgot what you said, but part of the awareness, I think the hardest part of awareness is being aware of ourselves and our own limitations. Um, you know, the thing that held me back, I think the longest from taking on more of these projects was I thought I had to do everything on my own. I thought that if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to be done correctly. Um, and, and the truth is the more that I've given away, the more that I've delegated mm -hmm. to other people, the better off I've become. Because here's the truth. I am terrible at little detail, detailed but monotonous tasks. You know, sending off these letters to insurance companies, that is something I am terrible at. I will put that off for weeks if left mm -hmm. up to my own devices. Uh, but it is important. Um, so just being aware that I'm terrible at that kind of stuff sent me on that search. How can I, how can I get rid of that? And, and I do that, you know, through automation and delegation, uh, now, but, um, but being aware of what you're good at and what you're not, like I, I fall into that camp. Um, I don't, I try to spend any time on things that I'm not good at. Sure. I, I think it's a waste. I try and get stronger. I take my strengths. I try and make them stronger. All of my weaknesses, I just, I try and get rid of it. Give it to somebody else where that's their strength. They want to do it. You know, Brian, you mentioned two really good things. And I'm going to go back for our listeners to think about this. You mentioned the idea of taking those ideas out of your head and keeping them somewhere physically. We love Rocketbook just like you. In yeah. fact, we put a link to Rocketbook in our show notes. Make sure you check it out and receive a 10% discount on your very own Rocketbook so you can capture those notes. But one of the things I want to refer back to our listeners, episode 32, we call it Lights Capture Action. Ideas are just ideas unless they kept somewhere. And here's the truth. We've got a million things going through our head a moment. I know I do. And it sounds like you do too, Brian. And so when you think about that, you have to have a safe place to put them and having a capture place. And we've said this before, but I just want to remind you, go back to episode 32 for more details on how to capture ways to capture those ideas so that you can not only capture them, but take them into action. The other thing you mentioned, Brian, was the whole idea of delegation. We talk a lot about that in our book, Millions of Possibilities, taking the inspiration from idea into implementation, then into monetization. You have to be able to give it away. You can't do it all yourself. And when you think about those two power tools, I call that power position, because when you do it, you're able to become more successful and work on those future dreams, those future ideas, mm -hmm. so that you can continue going 
to that next step in your life. I just had to stop and mention that because those were PowerPoints. PowerPoints, not the slide, but power positions, things that you as entrepreneurs should use to help you go to that next level. So now that you've yeah. talked a little bit about some of the tools, some of the ways, I want to step in real quick and talk about your three-step process just a little bit. You've really hit it well. I don't want to go into great detail, but you said intake, action, and nurture. Powerful. Intake, action, and nurture. Taking it in, taking some action, and then nurturing it as you go along the way. As idea maniacs, as idea holics, it's so important that we recognize it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Like you, Brian, I have my digital file as well as my paper file of all of these ideas because I want to take that passion that lives inside of me and turn it into profit because you said we need to make money. Yes. And do just that. But we realize that time is a factor. And a lot of things that you mentioned is your automation. You're using tools to help you on the process. What are maybe three of your favorite tools that you're using today to help you move those oh, ideas to action? Yeah. So, um, you know, as part of that, and and just so your listeners are clear, like on that intake, I don't view, uh, there is no bit of learning that isn't extraordinarily valuable. Um in that intake phase, you may be learning about some elements, some tools, some 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 knowledge base that you need to get your idea going to turn into something real. Uh, great. You might learn though that hey, this really isn't for me. That might be even better because you're not going to waste any more time. You know, some of my favorite times is when I realize my idea is, is crappy and I should just throw it away because now I no longer have to think about it. I freed up more space for ideas and, and ventures that may actually be much better. So uh, intake is always, always valuable. I think some of the tools, they may be, um, some of them are really specific to, to the practice of law, but I think, you know, the, the principles apply everywhere. That automation, if you're doing things repetitively, um, you should automate it. There's really no reason that you that you should be doing that. Um, and I don't care whether that's sending the same email response. There's lots of tools. You use Gmail. Okay, you can use uh, Mixmax. That's a great tool. Um, I use Atext, which is a snippet of text expander because uh, I'm on Mac. It's $5. $5 and I own it for the rest of time. And I literally have, I probably make five of them a day. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's just the project. Like at first it seems overwhelming, but I probably have two to 300, probably 250 little snippets. It's as simple as I just type in my, uh, or I just type cell pound and it fills in my cell phone number, right? There's a two second saver, not a big deal, but I also have canned responses for emails mm. and that's a 45 to 60 second time saver. And I also have snippets that I can put into legal pleadings. It's the same objections or whatever. Now that saves me a couple hours. Um, so that's a wonderful tool. Uh, I try and pay attention every day. Um, if I do something, I want to be aware, have I done this before? And if the answer is yes, how do I automate it? Sometimes I do it right away. Sometimes it's, oh, I make a snippet on ATEX. 
Sometimes it's, all right, let me make a note and see if I can go find a tool that can help me automate this thing. Because um, the truth of the matter is the computer program is going to be better, faster, <laughs> and uh, without error, you know, mm-hmm. as compared to, to any of us. If we're having a bad day, a little distracted, you know, we might miss some little things. Computer doesn't care. So take that time to set things up once and then you don't have to worry about it ever again. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that intake is, is incredibly important. Um, and automation is part of that. You know, when I look at some of these ideas, I'm like, I, I like this idea, but this looks like a real time suck, right? So I don't know that I can do it unless there are tools that can take some of that time you know, get it back to me. So that's all part of the intake. And then once I reach a certain, you know, critical mass of, of knowledge or information, I can make that decision. Am I going to take action or not? Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the process. I use lots of different things. I think Misty asked about it. I use like the Eisenhower matrix, which I think is just a wonderful tool. Um, I just have it built into my, uh, into my rocket book here. Just, Real quick, every day, I can look at it. What's urgent? What's not urgent? What's important? What's not important? Um, getting those things out of here, somewhere else where then I can now be, I can be objective about it. When things Absolutely. are stuck up here, we're, we're defensive because they are our ideas. And there's something yes. magical that happens when we take it from our idea stuck up in here and we put it on a piece of paper. It's now just an idea that you can kind of step back and be objective. Um, Cause I've had plenty of, of great ideas up here. Once they get out uh, onto the paper, I mean, they're terrible. They're terrible. And that's <laughs> fine. You know, it's, 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 but, it, but that's important to be, uh, to be able to be objective. So you don't run ragged for Absolutely. six months, 12 months, five years chasing something that, you should have never taken the first step after at the beginning. So, yeah. I love it. So, Brian, real quick, as we, we've talked about so much today, I want you to tell us a little bit about the journey from idea to action to income. I know you've changed careers, but these million-dollar ideas, because we call it millions of possibilities, how have they changed your life financially? And you made a great point that you have to make money how have they changed your life financially? So, uh, I, I mean, I can quantify some of it. Uh, some of these ideas, these things that I've built out, especially for my law firm, they actually increase my cost by about uh, 19%. Um, but they also, the, the, the really awesome part was they increased my revenue by Third, what? No, they increased my revenue by forty-six. They increased my net profit by thirty-eight percent. I can I can run all those numbers. I can see that that investing time, investing money, automating things, delegating things, coming bringing some of these ideas to fruition has a a true, measurable, tangible, positive outcome for me. Um, so whenever I, I break all these things down. Uh, I, I, I start at the end, you know, I don't want, I don't want a job. Um, mm-hmm. I want, I want a profession. I want a career. I want a calling. I want a business. I don't want a job. 
So if this idea, there's not a way to turn it into that, if it's going to be a job, I'm out, right? I, I don't want to trade my time for money. That's, that's, I've done that. I don't ever want to do it again. Um, so I do start at the end. Can I turn this into a business? And what does that mean? That means that I work on it, not in it. I can step away for three, four, five, six weeks at a time, and it doesn't matter. And, and that's, that's not going to happen day one, obviously, but start at the end. Think about if, if I were to structure this, can it, is it even possible right? Can I even make this a reality? And if the answer is no, then for me, that idea is gone. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm never going to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I start at the end there and, and it really examine, is it possible to make this a business that provides me with money? If no, on to the next thing. If yes, okay, then let's reverse engineer it. What do I have to do to get to that point? Who do I have to bring on? What technology do I have to employ? If it doesn't exist yet, can I create it? If I can't create it, can I find somebody else that can create it? If nothing exists yet and, and, and the cost is too high to build out a solution to it, okay, that idea, it's not eliminated. Well, let's put it on pause. We got to come back to it later. It's not the right time for it yet. Um, so yeah, I start at the end. I reverse engineer it. And, um, and, you know, that, that makes the decision easier. Cause I think the ultimate goal, all of us want, and I'm sure all of your listeners, we want businesses, yes. right? You can't, you can't sell a job to somebody. Yes. <laughs> you can sell a business, but you can't sell a job to somebody. So, um, and, and again, just being, just being honest with your listeners, every business starts as a job. Yes. Mm. I mean, unless you're one of these people that just, I don't know, you, you just got a bunch of money sitting around, uh, then congratulations, you can kind of start a business. But even then, I don't really agree with it. I'm, I'm starting a medical practice here. It's a job right now. Mm-hmm. It is a real, <laughs> true job. Um, and that's okay, because it's just one step getting closer to it being a real business. And then, you know, for me, I told you a little bit about what I, what I look for in a business, but ultimately a true business to me is, can I sell it? Can I sell it? Mm-hmm. Can I exit this thing? Can I reap some benefit uh, financially from this uh, at the end of the day? And if it's just you running around one-on-one client work, I, I, I hate to break it to you, but you're, you're trying to sell a job. Mm, and you know yeah maybe you find somebody willing to buy it but i I wouldn't hold my breath for it create the business love it you know it's so funny brian because i think i even mentioned this in our accountability meeting last week or two weeks ago about a recent book we were reading three feet from gold hopefully you've taken a look at that but one of the things that was said is don't be a job taker be a job maker and we know Mm -hmm. that when you're taking jobs you're doing the work and as entrepreneurs, we all started with the job, but then we led on to or went on to something bigger, which is that business. And I love it. You said, I don't want a job. I want a business. I want a calling. I want an undertaking that's going to transform lives. And that's what it's all about. So as we think about these things, Brian, I, you've talked about so many things that you're working on. I want you to give our listeners 
maybe one, two or three nuggets as they continue moving from idea to action to income? What are those nuggets you can drop right now? Drop some nuggets yeah. on us, Brian. Okay, so I'll give you a couple. Um, this, well, number one, I'm gonna, and I'll send you the link to it. I think everyone should read the book Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Uh, he was a Jesuit priest. It is just, uh, I think it's a life-changing book. Um, it is hard truths delivered in a, in a very digestible manner. You know, he talks about things like if, if you're disappointed in something, it's probably your fault, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you set the expectations, like I'm disappointed that, that you didn't show up for dinner on time. Well, why did you expect them to? They're a human being. You know what we all share as human beings? We all mess up all the time. We're terrible at that. So anyways, he, he's, this just a phenomenal book. Um, I would, I would counsel your listeners to really take some time to think about the difference between persistence and punishment. Um, I learned this lesson big time back in October. I got married. And then as soon as the wedding was over, we, we took a, a little safe trip to get away for a week. Uh, and then I got COVID and it hit me hard, really hard. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm still dealing with a little bit of brain fog, but for months there, I had terrible brain fog. I had days where I couldn't think straight for, for five minutes. Uh, and it, it finally allowed me to learn the lesson that there is, there's a line you can, you're persistent. I'm fighting through stuff and that's great. But you cross that line from persistent to punish. Mm. And that's when, that's when it's kind of like that idea of diminishing returns. Like you're going to spend 12 hours working on something. Are you, are you being persistent? Are you fighting through it? Or are you just punishing yourself? Right? Like are, when you do that, do you wake up the next morning? And I know for myself, if I have those kind of marathon sessions, if I push through, I come back the next day, I look at it and I go, that was just, this is garbage. And I got to restart. So being aware though, of like, am I being persistent here or am I punishing myself? It don't, you don't need to punish yourself, right? Life's good. Life is good. We make it difficult. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like Anthony DeMello, he says like happiness is our natural state. Um, we just put a lot of things in the way. Uh, so that it doesn't seem like that. So, um, so I'm kind of one of those people, I, you know, having saying no today for a better yes tomorrow. Uh, but that again, requires that awareness. Um, I, I would say certainly utilize something like the Eisenhower matrix, something to help you prioritize. And it's tough at first. Everything seems important. Everything seems urgent. Be brutally honest with yourself. It's like, I, I tell people around me, um, I'm Genghis Khan with my boundaries, with my time. I am brutal. I am ruthless. If it doesn't fit, like I don't take, I don't take any kind of meeting, dinner, whatever, after six o'clock. I just don't. I like to be in bed early. I have my routine. I'm sorry if that doesn't fit into your schedule, but I'm happy to meet you for breakfast at 6 a.m. <laughs> okay. That's me. This is my life. These are my boundaries. And you don't get to cross them unless I let you. So, yes. um, but having, you know, with like your ideas and your tasks and the things to do, you got to be ruthless with them. You got to look at it. And I started off, everything's urgent, important. And 
the more you work at it, the more aware you get, the more you realize very few things are urgent and important. Very few. Um, but, but it requires being brutally honest with yourself. So uh, using something like that, I schedule, um, you know, we talked about the, you know, the ideas. I also schedule every week. It's, I just call it the aid session, ADE, automate, delegate, eliminate. And I review everything that I'm doing. Can I automate this? Can I delegate this to somebody or can I just eliminate it? Um, I've been shocked at how much that I can just eliminate. Really shocked. There's so many things that we do that just, they aren't necessary. They aren't necessary. And especially now, like I, I'm, I'm struggling. I hear all these people. I see all these news stories. I talk to family. I talk to friends that like, we're going back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal. Not after a pandemic, not after any stuff. I want to move forward. Sure. Now, moving forward means some of the things that used to be normal come back to it. Fine. But I don't ever want to be stuck with anything with, with these outdated ideas about I have to do it this way because it's the way it's always been done. No, forget that. I'm going to carve my own path. But that requires, again, you got to look at all these things. Can I automate it? Can I delegate it? Can I eliminate it? And like we talked about earlier, you know, all of my revenue and stuff has gone up while my costs have gone up. And that's all just through delegation, hiring VAs and, and, and all that kind of stuff. The tools are out there and they really aren't that expensive. I have, I have a VA that I pay $5.15 an hour and she's in the Philippines and she is phenomenal. And I struggled for a long time. I'm like, that, that feels like I'm stealing from, from her. I couldn't, I, I just struggled. Their, their minimum wage is right around $3 an hour. Right. right. She's thrilled because she has work that she can do from home on her own time. She's making almost double uh, the minimum wage there. Plus I do bonuses and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm getting a steal of a deal, but it's all relative. Yeah. Like, she's got a great position and she's so happy about it. Um, but you've got to be willing to step out there and, um, and, you know, at the beginning, if you don't have a lot of money to start your ideas off, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's where I've been many times. Um, you can do that intake. You can gather information. You can find tools and a lot of free tools out there until you start growing and then you got to pay for them. But by the time you need them because of growth, you should be making money. You should either have recurring revenue or you should have enough traction and interest to attract investors to get some money. Um, if you don't have either of those things, I hate to break it to you. You got a job that's masquerading as a hobby. It's just, um, you know, so, so yeah, the automate, eliminate, delegate, uh, my aid sessions are, are really, those are real needle movers. Once you get into the habit of it, it's a true needle mover. It, it when I gave away control of my, my email inbox, wow. What, I mean, scared to death for like two weeks and checking every day to make sure. But now, <laughs> oh my God, what a wonderful thing. When I go in and I just see, I just have a label, Brian's attention. Right. I know that everything in there is super important and only I can deal with it. That's a really, it's a really good feeling to just be able to pop right in and pop right out. Um, so lots of different ways to, to get things done. And then I think the last thing that I would, I would tell your listeners is figure out your boundaries and just be 
brutally ruthless in enforcing those boundaries. And I mean, that's with, that might be with your employer. You know, we train people on, on how we want to be treated. If your employer is calling you at 10 o'clock at night and you're picking up the phone, guess whose problem that is? That's Absolutely. yours. Yeah. Right. Like having those boundaries and there's lots of ways, ideally you start off with it, but, um, if you've got those kind of things going on in your life, you can do it in a, in a respectful um, manner. You can reassert those boundaries and then just be brutal. Turn the phone off, have an automatic email responder. If it's after, you know, six o'clock, I don't respond. Okay. And if you've got a problem with that, then, then we need to either stop doing business together or maybe this isn't the right fit for me to work for you. Um, it's a lot easier when you're a business owner to set the, the boundaries. So <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want it to sound uh, like, a, you know, everybody can just jump right in. I know it's tough, but having those boundaries and that's professionally and that's personally, you know, and, and it's and individually, like, like I said, I go to bed early because I get up, I take the dog out, I have my coffee, I go to the gym. That's my morning. You don't get to take that from me. Sometimes right. I allow you to break that up, but that's mine. Right? I check email twice a day. You don't get to force me calling me. Hey, did you see my email? No, I didn't. And I'm not going to until I decide that it's my time to check the email. Um, and I think most people are really scared about enforcing boundaries, but here's the truth that I've found. People respect others that have boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah, they don't, they don't, you know, like who really cares? I don't care. You know, Kimberly, I love you. You're great. I don't care what you do day in, day out. You know, and if we are working together, as long as you're, you're providing the value and the results that we're looking for. Okay, great. Um, but I, I you do. Know, and and I noticed, yeah. And I, and I know that I respect people when I, when I ask somebody to, to take a meeting or, or whatever, and I get those responses that show boundaries, I'm like, this person gets it. This person's protective because what we're doing here, and you're talking about ideas to income, all this is wonderful. Ultimately, all of this is for one thing, and that's so that we can live the life we want to lead. Whether that's oh, traveling or, or donating your time or money to some charitable organization, whatever the case may be, um, we all need money to do that. And we all need time that's available to be able to do that stuff as well. That's the point of all of this to me. So that's if you it. don't Let have the boundaries. That, Brian. Let me repeat that. So that, that's why we do all of this. That's why we're here. Ideas to action, to income. So that you can create the life that your heart desires. You can create a life that impacts the world. See, guys, you're not just showing up every day, punching a clock or no clock, that virtual clock, wherever you are, but you're here to make an impact. You have a vision, you have an idea, and you're ready to do something with it. And I'll just chime in, Brian, by saying that your ideas, your actions, I love your aid, your automate, delegate, eliminate process, all those things will actually help get you on track, listeners, to building that life that you desire. So mm -hmm. that I'm going back so that you can live 
like no one else can. You know, there's a quote out there, do today what you need to do so that you can live like no one else. I'm re rephrasing it and I can't remember it exactly, yeah. but that's Dave what Ramsey, it boils down. Live like Dave no Ramsey. one today so that you can live like no one else tomorrow. That's exactly it. So Brian, you've dropped many nuggets on us today. I want to ask you, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so I'm actually undergoing a big revamp of all of my website stuff, but uh, you can always go to sutlivelaw.com. Um, and uh, and I'm also, there will be some more projects coming out, uh, but that's the same kind of uh, social media stuff is there. Uh, I do have some some ideas that are outside of the medical and legal realm, getting more out into the business owner, entrepreneur. Um, I think I have some some value and some skills and some tools that I can share with people because I mean, I'm, I'm living the dream. I really there am. I, I get, it doesn't mean I don't have bad days. It doesn't mean I don't have stress, but I'm living the dream because I'm getting to do cool things that bring value to the world. Right. I am. I'm like you said, I'm creating jobs. What a, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful feeling. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm making enough money that I can spend time working on other cool projects, volunteering my time. I get to do lots of awesome things and none of it would be possible if I didn't have a business. I couldn't do this if I had a nine to five job. I could do parts of it, but that would be really limited. Um, and I want that for your listeners. Cause I mean, it's, it. it's, you know, stress, stress hits real different when you have your business and something that you enjoy and something that you really truly believe is bringing value to the world, that stress associated with that, because you will have it, is very different than stress that comes from somebody else or some outside force. And you're just trying to manage it and ask others for permission on how to, to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, so there will be some, uh, there'll be some cool projects, I think, uh, coming out. I'm going to say my tentative goal is by the end of the year. Um, all right. A lot of it depends on, on how the medical practice stuff, uh, how we finalize all that. But uh, yeah, sutlivelaw.com and um, you know my email, it's just brian at sutlivelaw.com. I'm happy if your listeners want to shoot me stuff. And, you know, this is, this is, I enjoy this. I enjoy talking about these things. I enjoy helping others um, because I got that help on my journey. So uh, they can always reach out to me that way. And I'm happy to provide right. whatever guidance or whatever they want. I'll help out with. We're so excited, Brian. Listeners, you heard it right here, right here. You want to begin with the end in mind and remember, operate with passion, with purpose, so that you can take those ideas into action, into income. We want you to know there is something out there waiting for you. Now go get it. Thank you for listening to the Made to Inspire podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and have picked up some tips, tools, and tactics that will help you move into action. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are made the number two, the letter N, Inspire You. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. We're out there. But best of all, we ask that you leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. Let us know how you're going to use the information that we're sharing week after week to help you take your inspiration into action. We appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode.